Are you someone you know battling cancer? Welcome to Integrative Cancer Solutions with Dr. Carl Feld, where you get to be part of a live consultation with a patient diagnosed with cancer. I was never close to my father. In fact, I found out that he passed away from colon cancer six months after he died. I never got to be with him during his struggle. This podcast and the cutting-edge integrative cancer therapies I offer at my center are my chance to do what I didn't get to do for my father. Tune in as I get to know the struggles and victories of my guests while battling cancer. We will discuss natural medicine and how it can safely be integrated into traditional oncology care. You are not alone in your struggle. Lourdes Lavoy, I am so excited to have you on the show today, Integrative Cancer Solution with Dr. Carl Feltz. Uh, you are an award-winning uh, director and uh, very well-known. You've catapulted, I mean, great actress. You've appeared in, in a lot of different uh, well-known series, TV series that we all love. So, but you... Yeah, tell me a little bit about your story. You Everything was just looking so great. You found the man of your life and then... Yeah, what what happened? Well, life was good. I mean, I had a, an amazing marriage, children, a great career as an actress. Uh, I was hosting a TV show. I was in the ballast to be considered to be a nominee for my role as Anna Rodriguez and Without a Trace. It was just, life was just really good. Like everything was, you know, my dreams were coming true. And then as things were going on, certain things kept showing up. And in that process, when I finally went to the doctor to see what was going on is when I was diagnosed with cancer. And that's when everything was just like, wow. <laughs> but interestingly enough, it wasn't like, like I got scared or terrified or, you know, oh my God, there's this, this thing. It was more like, okay, this is, here's my opportunity to be a difference in the world. Yeah. And so, and that's when everything just kind of went on with our story. So I kind of put my career aside for it a little bit and thought I'll just pick up a camera and start document my journey and how I'm going to be cancer naturally. And you had that inner feeling that you were going to make a difference in the world even before this took place. You really didn't know how that was going to come about. And then all of a sudden, it disappeared. Yes. And it's funny because it was always this thing. They just, and it wasn't just like this kind of smart, it was like very strongly felt like you're going to be this big difference in the world. You're going to inspire people. And it's something I really wanted to do. And I always chalked it off to is because I love people. And I've always wanted to do a difference, like really do something that can be beneficial into their lives that they can thrive in whatever that was. But I just never could figure out, like, what is that? Like, what, what can I do to be a difference? So, yeah, as soon as I was told I had cancer, I'm like, ah, that's going to be it. And so, so you say you picked up a, a camera, but then you also, in regards to your treatment choices, I mean, what, what type of cancer did you, were you diagnosed with? I had um, Hodgkin's lymphoma, so cancer in the lymphatic system. Okay, okay. Yeah. And lymphoma, then usually the, the, the common therapy is obviously chemo. Yes, chemotherapy and then some radiation afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And what were your thoughts about that? Oh, instantly it was like, nah. I, I didn't even, it, it wasn't even a thought, like, because I had t- taken my sister many years prior to um, her treatments because she had Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I took her to every single appointment and, and treatment that she had. And it was so devastating. I mean, she, it was so destructive. And it was like when she had her cancer, before she ever did her treatments, just that she had cancer. 
And then when she was going through her treatments, it was she had cancer and now she's really sick. So I saw firsthand that it wasn't the cancer that got her you know, real sick. She just happened to have that. It was literally the treatments that got her really sick. It's the treatments that got her where she lost all her hair, where she was weak, where she was nauseous, where she was in pain, where she couldn't sleep. Where, like, just all these things were happening to her. And I'm going, well, before that, she just had the cancer. You know? And then I saw many of my friends who had ended up with cancer and did treatments, the same thing. They went to the, because they had a certain thing, they went to get checked. Physically, you saw them, they just looked like themselves, like they looked fine. Outside of that, they just happened to have cancer. And then they go and they get the treatments and then they look horrible. So I can't say cancer made them lose their hair. I can't say cancer caused their pain. I can't say, can't. I can say with no doubt that what made them that ill was the actual treatments, what caused them to get all this inflammation and inflammation we all know causes pain. So if you have a tumor and then you got pressure of fluid against it, it's gonna hurt. You know, we have these nerve endings, we're going to hurt. So if you're getting treatments that cause inflammation and inflammation causes pain, it's not the cancer that's hurting you. It's the cause of the inflammation that got caused by the treatments that is causing to destroy all your cells and that's what's making you sick. So I was very clear, that was not my road. And how I'm curious, because obviously lymphoma, you have all your friends, family, husband, everyone, obviously they, they want you to stay alive. I mean, they don't want you to go away and uh, kind of miss this opportunity to, to treat. And so I'm sure there was a lot of fear and a lot of pressure from them. Yes, a lot. It was, um, I understood it was because they loved me. Yeah. And they felt that the best thing I could do is just follow the protocol that everybody follows. Mm -hmm. And for them, regardless, this was, there was a chance they could help me. And I think it's because every time somebody dies, we never say they died of the treatment. We always say, oh, so-and-so died of cancer. And we exclude the damage that the body went through because of the treatment. And that's what caused the body to die. We just say no cancer killed them. So we immediately fear cancer and not the treatment. So I was clear that for them, it was just that, no, you need to do this treatment because cancer kills you, not the treatment. And if the person died, it had nothing to do with the treatment. It's just that eventually cancer just took over. And so I understood the level that it's because they loved me and they were terrified for me. But I also was clear that I needed a team to back me up because I didn't need, it's that energy when someone pushes that, it's like when you walk in a room and someone's got an attitude, you feel that. Same thing when someone is having this thing where it's like, oh my goodness, and you're just going to, you know, I didn't want that. I'm like, no, that'll affect me too. So I was, I, I really, at that time, I continued to talk with my mom because she's my mom. Yeah. Uh, but my mom was a type where even though she was terrified, she kept it to herself and she just sent me stuff. She sent me like, here's like, you know, 5,000 I use a vitamin E and here's some, you know, Anamu and tea. And so she was sending me stuff, hoping well, at least I'll do something to help because my daughter's crazy. So, <laughs> but the rest I kind of avoided because I got tired of arguing with them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, and that's, that's important for people that have somebody diagnosed with cancer is to really respect their decision, you know, what they feel is right for them. Because uh, a lot of times, I mean, one of the best things is to be in that place of control, some where you feel that you have control over the outcome. Correct. And if you push somebody that is, uh, that's made that decision, and then you're just kind of depleting their energy and they have less ability to fight you know, the cancer. 
Oh yeah. Cause you're already fighting one thing. Then you fight it. It just becomes overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, well, that was really cute of your mother. Just send whatever. See, you should read something. She sent it to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take yeah. this. And at least you're doing something. <laughs> you know, and these oops and these herbs and yeah. Uh -huh. yeah, I love it. So, so how, so you did decide that chemotherapy is not for me. You know, you've yeah. seen what it done for your sister. You've also recognized that the majority of people, they don't die from the cancer, they die actually from the treatment of cancer and also the malnourishment that come about from the treatment of cancer. You know, where you destroy you know, your gut and you're not able to hold food and absorb nutrients and all of these things. So what did you decide to do? I mean, it's, it's a huge learning curve when you're all of a sudden diagnosed. Oh, I, well, first I, I, I was clear I needed to do a lot of research and seek out people that did this successfully. And so I started sharing with a lot of my friends. And it was funny because like I had one side of friends that were like, okay, this is great. And they would send me information. Mm -hmm. Well, I know this person who did this. So they would say, it was interesting because they would send me information and people that they knew that successfully beat cancer. And I actually had a friend who also had beat cancer many years ago who had two types of terminal cancers at the same time. So to listen to her was really, it was like, okay, give me the information. And, it, yeah. and it's funny because it went right to food. Yeah. Everything had to be raw and it had to be vegan. It had, you know, it had to be organic. It's like everything had nothing, nothing cooked. You needed all the live enzymes and nutrients and everything. So I listened to everything what she had to say. And then she told me about Optimal Health Institute. And I went in and said, okay. So I literally just took information and I read, oh my goodness, so many books. And it's funny because there are so many books out there on how to fight cancer naturally and all these stories of people really successfully doing it. So I got into that and started trying out all these different little regimens they did. Some of them were like, I can't do it. <laughs> I really couldn't do it. There was one that was the worst. It was like, I'm like, how did they successfully just do it? Like no problem. And that was the baking soda with the maple syrup and water. Uh -huh, yeah. And you didn't even taste the maple syrup because you only put so much uh -huh. and it's like, it goes in and I just like, oh, how did they, I couldn't do it. I tried and it was like, it went right back out. So I'm like, nope, not going to do it. Yeah. The idea with that one is that the, the maple syrup, you know, since the cancer loves sugar yes. and uh, then the baking soda is like the Trojan horse, you know, so it gets an alkalizes the cancer and the cancer dies because it can't live in alkaline. Yeah. Exactly. So, so yeah, it's that. Tough. I know it's pretty rough. <laughs> oh, I, like, I can't do that one. Yeah. So a lot of wheatgrass and then I, you know, going through the books and then I, even on the internet. I mean, it's interesting because now, like at that time, I mean, this was like 10 years ago, or actually this was in 2010. So 11 years ago, you could type in how to fight cancer naturally. Mm -hmm. And you would get this load of all these stories and protocols and regimens like this just from everyone. Now you do that. And what pops up is all this information of all these other hospitals and chemotherapy. And it's like, well, no, I said naturally and chemotherapy isn't natural. So it's, it's, you know, and then if you, you know, you talk about your cancer, it just tells you about these other hospitals, but again, still conventional medicine. So it's almost impossible now to find it on the internet, mm -hmm. but you it's, still have the books. Yeah. It is fascinating how they are uh, filtering, how and um, filtering the search results. Yes. So that when you are typing those kind of things, and it relates to a lot of different things that you're right. trying to fight, you know, natural, but especially cancer, that's like the golden cow because yes. it makes so much money on it. So they really want to shut down how, you know, all these natural treatments that are out there. Oh, yeah. And that, that's what's sad is that 
people don't get that there are other ways because they hide it so well. Mm-hmm. And then if someone is, you know, I'll have somebody say, well, I know someone who, who did it naturally, they died anyway. And it's like, well, that all that tells me because mm-hmm. I'm not there to watch what they're doing. No. I know people who did chemotherapy first. Yeah. It wasn't like that was their first choice. Mm-hmm. They first destroyed their entire immune system, everything in their body. And then the hospital will tell them, you know, get your affairs in order. Then they go looking to do the right thing. And by then everything's so destroyed. And sometimes, you know, they can still, they get like that 80% chance, mm-hmm. but because they're so destroyed and they won't go 100% because you're not watching everything they're doing. They may cheat here and there a little bit, but when you're at that stage of the game, you can't cheat because you will die. Mm-hmm. So when someone says, oh, this person, I'm like, I know a few people that I actually helped out. I've actually helped a lot of people around the world that some had to do the treatments first, others didn't do the treatments at all and chose only to do it naturally. And those, I could tell you, are cancer-free and doing well. While the others, some did well and are still fine, and others cheated and, and didn't do so well. But it was it was in the cheating. And I only know that because they would tell me, oh, they, they went into hospital and they had this, you know, the stomach pain. And so I said, okay, well, just tell me today, when you got up in the morning, what was the first thing you ate? What was the first thing you drank? Just give me the overall what you did. Oh, well, you know, I didn't have a really chance to get stuff ready. So, you know, and I had to go. So in the drive, but I stopped at Chipotle and I got myself a burrito, but it was just rice. I'm like, all right, okay, so you got, you just ate, who knows what's in those, in the ingredients. And then you had flour, which very acidic to the body. And you're, you were sent home to, you know, they gave you three months to live. Chipotle was probably not the place to stop, you know? And so it was those little things that when someone says, oh, but they tried it naturally. But did you hear everything they did when they were doing it naturally? They really didn't, weren't a hundred percent. So I'm real clear that if you're a hundred percent doing everything from the beginning of just cleansing your whole body. And I mean, your mind, the way you're thinking, the way you're feeling your spirit and your, and the stuff that you're putting in on and around your body. And it's constantly cleansing and nourishing. If your body's nourished to health, you can't put health and sick together. You're either healthy or you're sick. So if you're doing a hundred percent and you have, you know, like an integrative doctor or a holistic doctor, someone that's guiding you and helping you put all those nutrients in while you're fighting cancer, you're going to beat it. It's in the lack and in one of those things that there is a chance you might not. But if you're hundred percent, you're not going to convince me otherwise. It's like, no, it's like saying it's really clean, but it's dirty. It's either clean or it's not. Yeah, and that that's exactly what people don't recognize. And I and I see the same with people that are dealing with the flu or whatever. And they say, oh, I, I took echinacea and vitamin C didn't help. And then then I ask, well, yeah, how much vitamin C and echinacea did you take? Well, I had these little gummy bears that had some echinacea and elderberry in it. I took it and I didn't get any better. You know, so so now there's kind of coming out with a message that. You know, elderberry vitamin C, you know, echinacea doesn't work for the flu. And it's the same with cancer. You know, they said, well, I did vitamin C, IV, and, and I didn't help. And I did this healthy eating, like you're saying, you know, and they asked, well, how much vitamin C? Well, I did, you know, like once a month, I did a 25 gram vitamin C, you know, which is, is not going to be enough. And also the eating, you know, they cheat. Well, I just had a little bit, I mean, I only had ice cream, you know, like three times a week, 
you know, and it was just a scoop, you know, but otherwise I ate healthy. So they don't, don't realize that even though they think they're eating healthy, they're still feeding the beast and the beast is going to just continue to move forward. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I've had a few that there was one lady who was doing really well. She had, she lives in, in Hungary and she, I think she's like in her seventies and she had lung cancer. Mm -hmm. And so I sent her, I, I, we spoke through FaceTime. Her daughter translated because she didn't speak English, but gave her the whole protocol. She was doing really well. She was doing all the juices and the, you know, just the raw foods and she was doing good. I mean, it went from, she couldn't do anything without being exhausted and out of breath to she was riding her bike, was no longer out of breath. Like all things were great, but then things started slowing down. And then her daughter admits like, well, you know, she stopped smoking, but then she started smoking again. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, that's not gonna help for someone who's got lung cancer to you know throw in that cigarette. So, but but her but her mom saw the difference. Yeah. And so I mean her mom's still doing good. She had to cut down because she realized I need to stop because it's starting to make things worse again. And it's funny because I do notice that when someone sees an improvement and they're feeling good, they don't get that they're still not over that hump because it's still there. They don't, you know, you feel good. You're like, oh, it's not going to hurt if I have this one ice cream or I have this one soda that's going to compromise the immune system for like the next four hours or, you know, all this sugar that's going to feed the cancer or, you know, fill in the blank. But it is critical because it will affect it because you, you have to remember the cancer is right there. Just because you had that ice cream and soda, it's not going to go, oh, but you ate, you had the celery juice. Okay, but you just now gave it food. So it starts growing and it's like, you don't want to do that. <laughs> No, no. Yeah, it, it's cancer. And, and I always say cancer is chronic. It doesn't stop, meaning that even if you've been in remission for five years and then all of a sudden start to remote, you're saying, oh, I'm clear, I'm fine. I can go back to eating well, you know, cancer free. The cancer is still there and it, it's going to start growing if you do that. And also systemic, meaning that you can't just remove the lump and think that now you've gotten rid of the cancer. It is the process is everywhere. So you got to do exactly what you're saying. You got to correct the terrain and you got to create a healthy body where cancer does not want to be. Exactly. Because I always tell people when they go, oh, well, they, they cut it out and they say it's no longer there. So when they were cutting it out, they went under a microscope while they're making sure no cells went anywhere else. Like they just cut. They don't have a microscope watching to see where this, those tiny little cells went to. So it's like, no, you're going to end up with floaties, you know, going in other parts of your body when they're like, oh, it metastasized, you know, <laughs> but it's like you can't cut out cancer. No. The stem cell is still there. Those other cells that they're not seeing are still going around and doing their thing. You have to change your lifestyle. You can't keep the same lifestyle and think, because I can't tell you how many times someone would tell me, oh, they're fine. They go through their stuff. They cut this out. They do radiation or chemotherapy. They go for the three months checkup and they find this little thing. Oh, there's this little thing I have to go back in. It's only been three months. I thought you were good. See, they, they tell you this is going to fix it. We're going to cut this out. We're going to do some of this radiation. We'll do a little chemo. You know, you're going to lose your hair. You're going to be fine. Then they say, oh, and you know that they could still see something's there, which is the whole remission thing. They didn't say cure. They used the word remission. It's kind of, you know, subsided. It's sitting there somewhere hidden. And they make you believe that you're good. And then they go around sharing how there's great news, how they're fine. Then they go back and it's like, bummer. There's this thing it's right there that they're seeing. I got to go back to get checked. And yep, it's back. 
every time I see that every time and I'm going, okay. And I'm actually um, talking with someone who did some stuff, but didn't do a hundred percent and decided just to do the chemotherapy. She was doing good. As good as you, you see someone who's, I mean, I understand that that's not really good. Good is when you come out and you feel great. Like you don't even feel like, you know, nothing's coming back, but, and now uh, we're going to meet up this Saturday because there is something there again. And this is after all the stuff they told her to do and how, you know, she was going to be good. And this was just not, not too long. I mean, her hair's just going back. I kind of liken it to, you get that dopamine rush at, oh, I'm cured now. So it, it's kind of like gambling. You win the slot machine and all of a sudden you get this win and now you just want to continue. And then all of a sudden you're more broke than you were before, but yep. you've had that initial rush. You got to keep, you, you got to keep on doing it. And it's the same thing. You've had the success with the chemo. So just got to do it one more time and now we're going to get it, you know, but uh, not realizing that the, you know, your body is weaker. You're feeding the cancer stem cells each time they fuel up from the chemo and your the cancer that is left is more resistant to the chemo. So it, it's going to have less of an impact and more destructive on the body. Oh yeah. Cause now your immune system shot. The chemotherapy oration does not get rid of the cancer stem cell. It may shrink a tumor, doesn't really get rid of it. it. May shrink it, may sit there for a minute, but you strengthen the cancer stem cell, which is what makes the tumor grow in the first place. So it's like you're not really changing anything. And I, like I tell people, I say 97% of the time you go that route, you're pretty much done. It's that little three percent that that person can say it's been 10 years despite the chemo. Because they had nothing, like their will got them there. It definitely wasn't the chemo. You can't say, I'm going to poison myself and I'm going to be healthy. There's no such thing to be poisoned and healthy. They don't go in the same, it just doesn't, they're not the same. No, no. It's like, you just have to kind of things out a little bit and just look and go, so this will poison my body and somehow poison will make me better. At the same time, I'm going to feel fine and I'm, I'm going to get rid of this thing and it causes cancer and I'm trying to get rid of cancer. I'm doing a cancer causing therapy to get rid of cancer, you know, like, cause radiation is cancer causing yep. yeah, chemo is cancer causing. Yep. Yeah. 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 We're going to do the treatment that causes cancer to get rid of cancer. Yeah. Yeah. When you say it out loud. It sounds crazy. Yeah. And also there, there's no oncologist. There's no one can say that chemo is going to get rid of all the cancer because that is impossible. So the only thing that is going to take care of it after is your immune system. But the chemo completely destroyed your immune system. So now you, the, the cancer is just going to free reign and just move forward. So you did, so you started then with the juicing. I mean, you diagnosed, you started with the juicing. And what transpired after that? I mean, how? Oh, yeah. How so, so I went to Atomum Institute in San Diego. It's, it's just about juicing. Mm -hmm. it's raw juicing there's nothing cooked and you go through this juicing process you do a lot of wheatgrass not just drinking it but you also do a lot of wheatgrass enemas um, and of course we know wheatgrass on top of the chlorophyll has b17 in it b17 is known to fight cancer mm -hmm. so when you're drinking all these things you're drinking all this alkaline water you're doing all these juices and just 100 percent raw <laughs> you go through a detox bra you know like you detox so bad. Like I detoxed for the first two days, two and a half days, I felt horrible. But like stuff was just coming out in the bathroom. I'm like, oh my goodness, this was inside me. Yikes. Which is actually inside my documentary. I recorded everything. Because I'm like, people had to see the crazy stuff that comes out of you. <laughs> it was just like, oh my goodness. But 
then I was doing good. Like I couldn't lay on my one side because of the tumors, but from just juicing and doing all this stuff there, and we did a lot of meditation, you know, like a lot of yoga, like this whole process that you do. I could finally lay on the side without feeling pressure. And I'm going, well, something's happening because I'm not, I can lay down on the one side that I couldn't lay down before. And then I was just seeing everything shrinking and just within a week. And then by the third week, I didn't feel it anymore. I didn't feel, I was really skinny, but I didn't feel sick anymore. So I thought, well, there's gotta be some still left around. I'll keep, continue the process. But then I thought, I wanna do this test and I know it's not good for you because it can cause and feed cancer because you know, PET scans, they use the um, radioactive sugar. Well, radioactive already causes cancer. Then you add sugar to feed it. It's just, you know, <laughs> I don't know why they do the things they do yeah. when it comes to health. It's like, this is there's there's a better way. After all the billions of money, I mean, of dollars that's been fed into the research, yep. you would have thought that they would have figured out it's some better way. I mean, we, we're in a high technology. I mean, the technology we're dealing with is so advanced, but in this area, it's like we're still in the stone ages. Yeah. Let's still do something that's going to cause things to get worse. Yeah. So I did. I went into, my husband, of course, was like, don't do it because you're almost done. And you know, this is going to spread it. And, and I told him, I said, well, at least I know how to undo it. So if it spreads, then I'll just go back and, I get, and I'll undo that. But I really want people to see how this, what I did started getting the cancer, you know, getting rid of the cancer. And now I'm going to go do this test. They have these cancer patients do, and it's going to spread it. And they need to know that because I can tell you it's going to spread it. They're going to tell you it's my opinion. Oh yeah. Right. Okay. Mrs. Conspiracy theorist. You know, so I felt, but if I physically show it, you can't argue with physical evidence. So, uh, which my family was my husband and my daughter were like, mom, please don't do it. And I was like, don't. And he, if you look in the documentary, which we're going to um, cut it to do a nine part series, you'll see him sitting in the room in the waiting area. And he is so mad because he just doesn't want me to do it. So I went and did it. But what was interesting through all that, and I had no idea because at the time I was sharing a lot on social media, like all my, pro, you know, my was progressing, how things were going great. And, you know, this is the way to do it. And when you go to the doctor, find out what you're lacking in your, you know, vitamins and minerals, that way you can put it back in. And you know, so I was consistently sharing that kind of information. And so I go and to do this test and they knew that I was doing that. I'm like, so this hospital knows what I'm doing. What? So it was really weird. And again, this was, you know, over 10 years ago. Yeah. And I didn't understand what I understand now when it comes to social media and how you, they can figure out things about you and kind of do things. I didn't know at the time. No. I was very naive. So I shared a lot of my stuff daily. Go to this to get in a test. They knew who, who I am. It got really weird. I went into the test. And this is what they did, which is in our book. So the guy comes in, because I have my little thing with him to scan that it's me. Mm -hmm. He scans me. He brings in this metal box with this big syringe in it that I've never seen used before for a PET scan. He then injects that in, erases in front of me that he inject that in, mm -hmm. proceeds to tell me that they just do that for security reasons because other hospitals could hack into the thing to see what tests they do. And I didn't fall for that one because it made no sense because all hospitals, you know, PET scans are all going to be the same. Yeah. There's no exactly. difference. A PET scan no. is a PET scan. Exactly. So I was like, so I knew when he said that I was a little in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> um, and when he put that, it instantly felt like my, around my neck, it felt like bubbles, like somebody was blowing bubbles. Yeah. 
it was really gross. Like I could feel the tumors growing like instantly. Are you serious? Yeah. And then he brought, gave me the actual, uh, the other syringe that didn't come in a box. Yeah. And he injected that for the PET scan. And then he left with the case and everything. And the whole time I'm feeling these things, I'm going, oh my gosh, this is not good. I waited 45 minutes. Then I went into the scan room, did this test, left, got home. And by that evening, my stomach had gotten so huge and my liver like got so enlarged, you could see it moving. Like there was like I was pregnant and had this baby moving in there. And the whole time my husband was like, I told you not to do this. He was so upset with me. Yeah. And I'm like, all we need to do right now is I just need you a coffee and I'm going to need to clean this stuff out. But for some reason, whatever that extra injection was, no matter what I did, no matter what I did, it would not go away. It was like, Every day, there were more and more tumors, more and more cancer just spreading through my body. And then I was like, okay, I'm in, I'm in trouble because everything that was working for me is now not working for me. And no matter what I did, it was like I didn't do anything at all. It was like I was just eating sugar. That's exactly how these cancer tumors were responding. And by then I had like, a, I just started having like what we called a pearl necklace because I had tumors going all across my neck. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the baby head by the end of the week sticking out like, we caught it a baby head because it looked like a baby head sticking out yeah, of my arm. Yeah, the lymph nodes just all swollen. Oh, it was just, I couldn't put my arm down. So it was I, like, my arm was like this because this thing was just sticking out. I threw out my groin area down my legs and the back of my lower back was like this big, I was just in bad shape. I couldn't barely breathe anymore. I had, um, it's just like, I couldn't lay down to, to sleep. I had to sit sleeping and I'm going, okay, so I'm like really bad right now. And I don't know what to do because even when my husband went with me to the same place that I went to before, we did all the juicing and, we, and I couldn't get any of it in. Like no matter what I did, I just got nauseous and I couldn't do it. And um, we got to a point where I looked at my husband, I'm like, I don't know what to do because whatever that was, like they're gonna win because now I'm dying and I don't wanna die because this is, this is not the way I expected this to go. And I was just withering away there. And I said, we just need to go back home because I, this is not helping. And I'm just feeling worse. So we finally go back home. We didn't finish the protocol there. It, I just, it was, I could not put nothing in my system. I get back. And by the next day, I woke my husband up because I was drenched, drenched. And like, like it looked like someone took a bucket and just poured water all over me. That's how much sweat I was. I mean, just drenched in sweat. Um, I got down to like 70 pounds. It was, I was bony. And I looked at him and I couldn't move. And I told him, I said, I gotta use the bathroom, but I can't move. Like, I don't know what was going on, but I just couldn't move. And I could feel like my heart was racing. So he picked me up, like the soap was just dripping. He sat me on the bathroom and I, and at that point I was like, call 911, I think I'm dying. So they called 911 and I, there had to have been, sometimes I look and I'm going, God was totally with me this whole way. As bad as things got, I gotta tell you, I really see, look back and go, no, he was guiding me the whole way and he knew that I was going to be fine. I just didn't know yet. <laughs> like I had the feeling even when I felt death that I still could beat this. But this thing, it was like, this is really getting bad. And so the paramedics must have been somewhere like right outside when we called because within seconds, they were at our door. Seconds. And they get there and they're trying to get me to blow into something. And I'm like, I I couldn't breathe. So it's like, you can't blow into something when you can't breathe. And so they picked me up and laid me on the thing, which was painful because I had tumors all over my body. 
And then they had to make, they put me in the uh, ambulance and they told my, they were, and I told my, I don't want my husband to be not next to me. He had to be next to me because I don't trust, I don't trust anybody. For good reasons. Yes. Yeah. I was clear like, no, I don't, I don't, he needs to be there. Well, what they did is they had, they didn't let him in because they were going to stop my heart, which I didn't know that. So I guess it was racing at 220 something that they needed to just inject me with this thing that would stop my heart and cross your fingers that would reset and, and start again. Yeah. So I went I so they had me strapped down. They put this oxygen on my face, which didn't matter because I couldn't breathe. And so as he's gonna proceed to go do this, he's telling me, so we're gonna inject you, we're gonna feel better. And I and I'm thinking, okay, just make it quick. And then he said, so we're gonna stop your heart. So my eyes popped open. And I'm like, no, don't stop my heart. That's, what, that's the only thing that's going right now. Don't stop it. And he's telling me he's going to stop my heart and, and I'm shaking my head and my husband sees me through a little window of the ambulance and he sees that I'm like freaking out going no. And he tells me, he says that when they did the injection, my whole body went up in the air. So I go up in the air and it felt like, like the semi truck was sitting on my chest because it was just pressure and everything went in slow motion and I wasn't breathing. Not like I was barely breathing. I wasn't breathing at all. And I'm looking and trying to grab the guy and I'm thinking you killed me <laughs> so and, and your husband was witnessing all this and not being able to do anything just seeing you go yes. he literally just watching this whole thing happen because they weren't letting him in and that, another guy was talking to him out there I think it was like the head whatever paramedic person that was there and so then I start my heart starts beating again and the guy loves me and goes no wait, we need to give her a, he gave me a six or whatever that was he goes we need to give her a 12 Cause it was, it kept rising and it wasn't going down. So I'm like, no, 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 give it a chance. That's my body. It just does its own thing. Don't do it. And, and I went back in the air again. They stopped my heart again. And the whole thing started all in this pressure. And I'm just like, they're just killing me. And they think they're helping me. And so the guy says, okay, she's not getting any better. So then they finally drove me to the hospital. But by the time I got to the hospital, it went down to 136. Still high, but better than like 224 or whatever it was at the time. So it went down to 136. They got me into that hospital. It wasn't the hospital I'm supposed to be in through my insurance, but it was an emergency. And that's when they found that I had not only like tumors everywhere. This is, mind you, after that test. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There was so much fluid around the heart oh. that it was causing my heart to race And then I had all this fluid, it was drowning from the inside out. So I had all this fluid going into my chest cavity, which was causing pressure to the lungs. And I was, the doctor even chuckled a little because he goes, I don't know how you're alive, but you have like 5% use of one lung. Yeah. He was shocked. He couldn't get over how much fluid and buildup. He said he's never seen nobody with that much and still alive. And, um, So I'm like, well, that's not good. But then they kept doing the thoracentesis to pull out the fluid, mm -hmm. which no sooner they took it out, it would just build right back up. Yeah, yeah. And then it was the time where I finally said, okay, I have to do something because now I have this opening. The tumors aren't getting any better because of whatever they put into the body to make sure it didn't get better. I'm very clear on that. We finally reached out to my mom. And because I talked to this, I found this doctor uh, through a friend And it's funny because I was laying in bed, not really laying because I had this, you know, I was in agony, but I prayed and I said, you know, let me find 
someone who can help me that has nothing to do with chemotherapy or radiation or surgery, just someone that can help me find the way to fix this. Mm -hmm. And my friend calls me and tells me about this doctor in Mexico and tells me, you know, it's all natural. It's non-toxic treatments and it's exactly what you've been looking for. But to get there, it was going to cost 20 grand to get this thing started. I depleted all my funds by this. By this point, there was nothing left in the bank. And my husband wasn't working because he took time off to just be with me because I was that bad. So I then called my mom, which was the hardest thing for me. And we had talking, a friend of mine's talked to the doctor and said, if we got like $10,000 just to get us started, could we do this? He's like, sure. And my mom had exactly (laughs) $10,000. So it's like God knew $10,000 we can get going. Yeah, yeah. And I got there. I, now, I don't remember getting there or anything. I, was, I didn't have enough oxygen going through to you know, have memory of a lot of the stuff. But mm-hmm. I do know when I woke up, they had this, this like IV thing, but I'm in my, just not like what they do here when they put the port. It's more mm-hmm. like a, this little prong thing. And they yeah. put in their nutrition. And amazing how I was here feeling like death. And there's this little hole in the wall place that like really looked just broken down. <laughs> it turned my whole life around. Yeah. I mean, within three weeks of everything they did, yeah. I no longer had cancer. I was walking around with all this energy and felt great. Yeah. I wasn't in pain anymore. I didn't have these tumors. You know, it just was gone. And I'm like, and they're looking for the cure? It's right <laughs> here, here. Here it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was <laughs> amazing. I mean, yeah. there was all these things they did in the protocols and none of it was toxic. It was no. certain herbs that went under your tongue that you did under, you know, on, in a dark room. Then you went into the light and it just... All these things that just boom, 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 knocked it out. And um, I was like, people need to know this. Yeah. You know, here they gave me a week to live. And I go here and within three weeks, I'm alive and well, and the cancer is gone. Now, I still had the opening of the chest cavity. So I still had that problem, which is why when they try to do a thing, because my lung had collapsed, they yeah. put this little tube in the chest area and then just kind of pumped up. So it stayed there until I left. Yeah. But uh, it's interesting because the doctor tells me there, you know, you need like, he said, chemo is so bad that when it goes into your body, it scars it. Yeah. Your organs, everything. It's like, it's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. He said, but your chest cavity is open. So if you do surgery, you know, you can have a lot of complications later. Mm-hmm. But if you do three light doses of chemo, mm-hmm. it'll scar that and you're done. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to do chemotherapy because it's cancer causing. And he goes, yeah, but you can clean that out. And then they were saying, I think it was like 30, 35,000 down there, 30 or 35,000 for the treatment. I'm like, no, we, we've literally depleted all our funds. So we're good. So me and my husband said, you know what? We don't have to tell the doctors here that the cancer is gone. They don't need to know. No. We can just sign and say we did it. They give us a treatment. We seal the line. We're done. Yeah. Yeah. And so we get back and that's, that was a decision. We had to keep it to ourselves. We couldn't let them know, but then I couldn't get myself to do it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't have to do it. I'm like, I don't want to do it. I, like, I just couldn't get the thought of putting this poison in my body and my body felt so good. Uh-huh. Like my skin looked amazing. Like my vision improved. Like everything was great. And I'm thinking, and then I'm going to undo all of that to seal the chest cavity yeah. and then have to go back to clean it. You know, it just, I'm like hoping, well, maybe it'll just seal on its own. 
<laughs> my fingers. Exactly. I mean, you so, worked so hard. I mean, all yeah. the juicing, all the, I mean, everything was just to, yeah, your whole mindset is just to, to nourish the body and here to go against all of that. I mean, that's, yeah. yeah. I'm like, I don't want to do it. No. And it's funny because my husband, when he saw that, because uh, they showed him how to check the fluid buildup. Mm-hmm. So he, we had the, the that's a scope. Mm-hmm. I never can see those things right. But anyway, so we had that at home and I was having problems breathing again. So he started doing the going down and he knows that when he doesn't hear it anymore. Mm-hmm. So he only got so far and he didn't hear it anymore. He didn't hear the breathing anymore. Mm-hmm. He was just a little bummed. And he said, baby, just ha- we're just going to have to do it. Yeah. And I said, I just don't want to go to the hospital. I don't want to do this thing. And he's I, really terrified because... If you're not breathing, <laughs> you're not going to be around very long. Yeah, yeah. And I understood that, so I kind of um, said, "Let's just let's just watch a movie, and we'll go tomorrow." But I just don't want. I just need a break. And so we watched. Uh, I forget the movie, and it's funny because I look at it back, and it was interesting because in this movie, when I looked at it back, it this woman has all these horrible things happen to her, but. It's always because something good at the end comes out of it. Okay, yeah. And I didn't remember much of the movie till I asked him, I said, hey, we did watch it. And he told me, it's like, so I watched it again. I'm like, oh, wow. So it was interesting that I ended up picking that movie that I didn't even. So in the morning, we went to the hospital. Again, I don't really remember much of it. I didn't have enough oxygen going through. Most of it is coming. I had to get that information from my husband because I don't remember. And we kind of just kept quiet cancer was gone. Um, we didn't tell them a thing. They put, gave me an IV, which I swelled up immediately. I'm right. It doesn't like, work. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's like this, this toxic. Yeah. I blew up. And it's funny because here I go to Mexico and everything they did, I got better. Mm-hmm. Then I come here, I'm like, Whoa. Every, everything was opposite. <laughs> everything was opposite. And so I guess that on the, the first treatment they did, um, again, I don't remember, but um, I guess I went, my body started shutting down and it makes sense because in Mexico, they were saying three light doses, just enough to scar. Mm-hmm. Well, here they were not going to do three light doses and it's not like we can say, Hey, so we only need three light doses. <laughs> um, they're they're going to hit gonna, it full force. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they're going to go according to what their records show prior to me getting there. Cause they, they don't know that it's gone and I wasn't going to do a test because no. no. <laughs> they probably wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Um, but they went with the full on full strength chemo, which then I guess shut down my body. Yeah. And that's when I went into a coma for like seven days. I was, yeah. But by the third treatment, yeah. my lungs, the chest cavity did seal and the lungs stopped. So it did work. So they were okay. correct in saying that. So that, uh, yeah. and stop filling up then so you could start to breathe. Okay. Yeah. I was breathing on my own. I didn't have no more fluid buildup. It did seal the thing. And it's funny how sometimes something so horrific can help something that you need, but it should never be done to treat and kill and get rid of cancer. No, no, exactly. Yeah. And then of yeah. course I cleanse, but yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing is to recognize you have these different tools. And even though the tool may look horrific, yeah, yeah if it is part of God's plan, if yeah. it is something, it, it can still be used for good when it's done appropriately. Correct. Yeah. And it's interesting because it let me also see the destruction. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't speak to someone about something if you've never done it, mm-hmm. but you can if you have. 
And so it was, I thought this is great. So, and I filmed it all. I filmed everything I filmed. And it's funny. Cause I even filmed waiting for the doctor to tell me that because they did the scan. I'm like, so, um, cause I knew the cancer was gone, but I'm not going to tell them this. Cause you know, I was trying to make sure they didn't know anything. <laughs> I've learned my lesson, but I did document so that people can see the, how, how horrific the stuff was. Yeah. And I also wanted them to see that even when you don't have it, they're not going to tell you don't have it. They'll just say it's the protocols it regiments what you do. Mm-hmm. So I told them, I said, um, so is there any cancer? left well you know there's a protocol that you have to follow you don't really stop never said yes or no 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 danced around the, and i knew obviously the answer but i wanted her to say it. she wouldn't she would not touch that she would just say well there's this thing that you know we have to do a pro it's a protocol and we got to go through that regimen mm-hmm. and when you're doing this regimen and there's 17 rounds it's 17 rounds you do okay. i was like wow <laughs> <laughs> but I got to learn so much of how much BS goes on there yeah, and how many people fall for it. Mm-hmm. So I was able to record absolutely everything so that people could see the difference and see, because even in the documentary, I show the documents showing before the chemo, there was no longer cancer. So there was like, well, who that was your opinion? I got the medical documents showing I no right longer there. Yeah, and I I remember a cancer patient had also dealing with lymphoma, and we were doing all the IVs and different things, and he he did choose to do chemo, but after like the second dose of chemo, there is no sign of cancer. He was doing perfectly fine. He's healthy, good energy, all these different things. But they, like you said, they have their protocol and they have to follow their protocol. So he continued with their protocol and he actually got to, he came in and he, before we even got an IV into him, he fell down on the floor and actually he was, there was no pulse, no heart, no breathing. And he was gone for probably about 40 some seconds. There was none of that. And we, you know, we're getting him back and we got him back. I mean, you just see the destructive impact of the chemo because it just really, really ruined him. And even the oncologist that, that we have at the center, you know, he said that, yeah, you can't tell them to not do the chemo because then they're going to go after you. And so he had to, he finished it. And I mean, he's doing great now. He's, he's alive and well and, and doing fantastic. But it's like you're saying, they have to finish their course. You know, it's like they, they can't admit that you're fine now. Yeah, but it's up to, that's why it's so important to give this information to people because the doctors can't tell you, mm-hmm. but you can make that decision. Yeah. So when you go, I get it. You want me to, because it's a regimen and it can come back. Right? I get what pharma has trained you to say, but if it's not there, I'm not going to keep putting something in my body that actually causes cancer. So the more of the cancer causing stuff I'm putting in my body, the chances are within those five year marks, I'm going to end up or right after the fifth year, you know, right at that, the day after it comes back. Yeah. It's like, no, the, and which is why they use the five year mark. Cause anything happens after the fact, it looks like, hey, it was successful the first five years. It really wasn't, but it's just that they kept it at that five-year mark because the numbers are much higher of deaths after the five-year. Yeah. They just know that some, you know, there's some between the one-year, two-year, three-month mark, that, but after the five-year, that's off the charts. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to say in the five years, they wait five years, it's like, okay. So it's really up to the person to say, 
if it's gone, there's no reason for me to continue this. What I need to do now is clean that junk that's in my body out of there and completely nourish my body back to health and continually do that on a daily basis as a lifestyle. Then it's impossible to see that doctor again and say, you know, I got cancer again. No, it's done. Yeah, exactly. That's a it's an excellent point because the doctors cannot tell you not to follow the protocol. Yep. So then they can lose their license. And yep. so that is your choice, your body. And you are the only one that has the power to say, I need to stop this now. Yep. Because yeah. if, if you let, they can't say anything to you because not only will they lose their license, but even if they think that they could tell you and you happen to be that person that would say something about them, they lost their license. So yep. they can't risk that. They can just do what they're told to do and that's it. And that's why we have to step out of that box. Yep. We have to just get out of that mess and say, no, enough is enough. Sorry, but I'm not gonna do anymore. And it's, I think once people get it, cause right now I see people do things even down to prescriptions, they'll feel icky, but it's, yeah, I talked to the doctor and he, you know, it's, it, that's it, you feel that way, but at least it keeps the cholesterol fine. Or you know, at least it keeps this fine. It's like, but you're feeling crappy. Isn't that the reason why you went there? Cause you felt crappy on the other thing. Why don't you just change your diet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do diet. And then there's that option. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you can get that, that pill that's toxic, or you can just change your diet. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Nobody wants to do the work. I look at it and go, it wasn't easy for me to stop my sweets. No. But I will say, I did stop all the sweets when I had no other choice and I started learning. And even though it was tough, I did what I did, what made it easy for me was because I had a really horrible sweet tooth is I did like berries. I had so many blueberries. <laughs> I would eat like pounds of blueberries a day. <laughs> but it was antioxidant, it was great, it was organic. You know, I made sure there was no sprays and stuff on it, so I was good. <laughs> but it was, it was tough, so I had to replace my sweets with blueberries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all of this, I mean, you documented all of this and you created then an award-winning documentary of the whole the whole process. Yes. How can people see this movie? I mean, what where did they go? Okay, well, because it is very long. Yeah. Um, which we condensed it. It's like a two hour, but we can because we had like over forty hours of footage. Yeah, yeah. We had it condensed to like two hours, but we decided is because there was a lot of critical parts that are really important in there. Is what we're going to do is we're going to. Um, edit into nine parts mm -hmm. and we're going to put it on Brighton and I'm not sure it's still on YouTube because it's way too easy to get censored there. Mm -hmm. And even though if you get censored, they can go to Brighton, but then now they know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so I, for sure it's going to go on Brighton. We, I, in fact, I just uh, started, I just started a um, channel and we're going to start doing those things and editing and kind of and doing a few informational videos and stuff, but yeah. But yeah. once we're doing we do that, we are gonna share on our website, go to Brighton, here goes the, you know, the, the nine part series. They can watch it all in one shot or they can, you know, do it daily or whatever, how they choose. And, and what is your website? What's the URL for that? Oh, it's uh C the letter C dot com. And what does option C stand for? Well, option C is we learn there are three options. Uh -huh. The first option is what everybody does. They go to the doctor, do what the doctors tell you. They do no research. They just put their life into their hands. Yeah. Option B, people uh, like my dad and many people we met just don't do nothing at all. They're just like, 
it's God's will. If, if I go, I'm fine. I'm not changing a thing. Mm-hmm. And option C people are the ones that educate themselves, mm-hmm. that literally step outside the box. They no longer hand their life into a doctor's hand unless they're working as a team. Not that here you do it. I don't have to know nothing. It's more we work as a team. They can check, you know, what you're lacking in because you can't do that. What nutrients you need in your body and minerals and vitamins. We they can do the blood testing. So you work as a team. So option option C people research. They do lots of research. They educate. They look to see who else has done it successfully, and they don't go to just one thing. They check everything. Because it's all the information they can come to a conclusion of what they want to do. So that's what option C is, and that's what we teach. Well, I think option C is a great option. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Lord, is it such a pleasure? Is, is there, as a final note, I mean, is there, is there an additional gem that you would tell that you would like to have known at the time you were diagnosed that you would like other people to know that you haven't mentioned? Other than like when someone, when you get diagnosed with any disease, look at it as an opportunity to get right with yourself because we're perfectly made. We really are. We have an immune system for a reason. We build immunity for a reason. Our bodies break down for a reason. So look at it as this is my challenge to get right. You know, because we go, I want to lose weight and they just don't do it. Look at it as like something like that. Like, This right here gets me to where I have no other choice but to be dedicated to my decision and know that fear only gets in the way. It's in the unknown is why we fear. But if you educate yourself, it's no longer unknown. So just educate yourself. And there is a thing, here's a quick, I'd like to show me grab this really fast. And it says Christopher on there, but that's my husband's name. <laughs> yeah. I just noticed I'm like, I see his name on my thing. I'm like, Lourdes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love <laughs> it. Grab this quickly. I just realized that. It's so funny. Um, <laughs> so I did write this book and I did it because after my husband and I wrote a book together on our inter- entire journey, and we have like all sorts of information on there that worked and didn't work. Yes. Right. Um, and stuff that did work where we got it. Here's the links where we did these things and information and, and some recipes. Mm-hmm. But I had some people that say, what can I do that's just kind of simple? Because every time I would send stuff, they're like, that's a lot of information. And I get it, especially with the, you know when you're working and you got stuff to do or you have a family, it's hard. So I made a really short, quick book. Yeah. I like it, that's like bite size. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's really tiny, but it's to the point and it's called three week step into a healthier you. And to find it, you got to go to Amazon and actually type in Lourdes Lavoie. Okay. And that's where our books pop up because they were really clever that when you type it in, you really can't find it. Okay. okay. So that was clever of them. But in the book, I mean, I even got it where you can put notes on and stuff, as you see. Love but it. every every week, it's literally for three weeks, each day you start off with this ingredients for the whole week. And you're adding one ingredient each day. But it also brings breaks down what each ingredient does. Like, right, if it talks about celery, it literally goes right into it. It's great in hydration. It also can, you know, contains vitamin A, K, C. So, it, so everything that you're going in there, you're going to know what you're putting in your body. Because I think there's something to it when you know what it's doing. And then you're making these juices and these meals 
that you now know you're actually nourishing it. So I made it very simple. So that way, all you're doing is adding one extra ingredient each day. So by the third week, you feel amazing. And I had a few people that done it. One guy who was feeling crappy and he wanted to drop 30 pounds. And he did it and he dropped a little over 30 pounds within the three weeks and felt great. <laughs> and that's all he did. He just stuck to the each step. So it wasn't like he had the one thing and he couldn't eat the rest. It's like, mm -hmm. no, you do your normal thing, but you're, I'm literally just helping you to push out mm -hmm. each day something out of your diet. Yeah, yeah. And the, the cool thing is not, this is toxic waste he's getting rid of. So you're getting yes. rid of toxins and you're fueling it with good nutrition. And uh, yeah. And I love that because, I mean, like you're saying, if you're aware, you, you know what the food is doing. Yeah. It's like that intention really brings more power into its impact in your body. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, Lourdes, thank you so much for, for sharing all this information and what an incredible journey. Well, <laughs> but it, it just shows, like you said, how God uses this journey yes. so that you can then reach out and, and benefit people that, that really need you and really need this. Yes. And together, we can definitely make a difference. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. The information this podcast is for educational purposes only, and it's not designed to diagnose or treat any disease. I hope this podcast impacted you as it did me. Please subscribe so that you can be notified when new episodes are released. There are some excellent shows coming up that you do not want to miss. If you're enjoying these podcasts, Please take a moment to write a review and please don't keep this information to yourself. Share them with your family and friends. You never know what piece of information that will transform their lives. For past episodes and powerful information on how to conquer cancer, go to integrativecancersolutions.com. If you would like to know more about the cutting edge integrative oncology therapies my center offers, please visit thecarlfeldcenter.com. Thank you for spending this time with us, and I hope to see you at our next episode of Integrative Cancer Solutions with Dr. Carl Feldt.